Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Green Bay Packers. This is the Packers Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Packers Wire editor, Zach Cruz. Third try, pulls the trigger. Third and ten, two incompletions. Shot down field. Lazard got to it. Can he get all the way home? Lazard inside the ten, down to the three. Fourth and goal. All right, Zach. So anyone kind of holding on to the fact that maybe this Packers offense was a little, you know, overhyped, beat up on the Vikings, beat up on the Lions? I don't think you can say that anymore, right? Not after they put a smack it on the Saints on the road without Devontae Adams, 37-30. What's your leadoff take on this one? It, for me, it's like the offense is no fluke, man. There's no way to call it a fluke at this point. Yeah, I, I really think this is the Packers' most impressive win of 2020. Obviously, you said they didn't have Devontae Adams. They also didn't have Kenny Clark. They're probably their best defensive player. So yeah. I still think this is a really good Saints team. They might be 1-2 and two now, but they won 13 games last year, and I think they're really talented on both sides of the ball. I think they'll be a, an NFC contender all year. So I thought the Packers overcame some some early adversity and then really made all the big plays in the fourth quarter to close it out. So, so yeah, like you said, it's one thing to beat the Vikings and, and Lions early, but beating Drew Brees and St. Sean Payton in New Orleans, that's that's always impressive. Yeah, and the defense made that huge play getting the strip on Taysom Hill, right? It was a tie ball game right around midfield. That was a huge play of the game, obviously. So it was nice to see the defense come through as well. I think they did really, really well, except for trying to tackle Alvin Kamara, right? I mean, that's the only thing the Packers defense didn't get right in this game. Yeah, like, yeah, like you said, they they haven't been very good this year, but they've, they've made a couple big plays in just about every single game that have in those games. And yeah, obviously uh, Alvin Kamara is a special player. The tackling was a mess. I think LaFleur counted 13 missed tackles and I'd, I'd guess Kamara forced most of them, including uh, I think five on that long touchdown. So yeah, it's definitely something they need to clean up, but you know, they're not going to be facing Alvin Kamara every week, thankfully. Yeah, no, he looks like the best back and at least one of the best yeah, backs in the NFL. He looks really good. One of my favorite parts about this game was the fact that Adams wasn't playing. Now, I, Adams is a beast, but I've been asking that question about, I want to see more of like MVS. I want to see more of Alan Lazard. I want to see what would happen if the Packers had an injury and these guys had to step up. And I think we're starting to see it. And you've been writing and tweeting about the efficiency of Alan Lazard, right? And he gets targeted eight times, hauls in six balls for 146 yards and the touchdown we played the long reception he had here right on that highlight to lead off the show. What's impressing you the most about Lassard's efficiency right now, and, and especially on third down? Yeah, it's only been three games, but he was quietly really efficient last year, you know, during that late stretch. And he's he's been one of the NFL's most efficient receivers to start 2020. There's no doubt about it. You look at some of his numbers, he's catching 76% of his targets, averaging 19.5 per catch, almost 15 per target, which is absurd. Um, he's the number one receiver in the NFL by DVOA, which is outsiders metric you know Rodgers has a perfect passer they when targeting him so that's a great stat yeah I think he's on pace for almost 1400 receiving yards so I've 
I kind of doubt he's going to get there, but you know, this has been an awesome start for a guy who's really emerged as the, as the solid number two receiver, the Packers really needed. Yeah. Now I, I don't really want Adams to miss any more time. I was just, I was just kidding. And uh, Adams was on, <laughs> Adams had a tweet after the game where it was kind of like BRB don't trip. I'll be back. He's dealing with a hamstring, right? I mean, wh- how's he looking? You think maybe see him this week? Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how the Packers handle this injury. You know, same with Kenny Clark. Cause you know, they play the Falcons on Monday night. They're obviously going to have an extra day to get healthy, but they also have an early bye week in week five. So I can see, I can see Adams and Clark both playing, but I could also see the Packers, you know, wanting to hold them out, give them an extra few weeks to get close to hundred percent. So you know, having them both completely healthy coming out of the bye has to sound appealing to the Packers. And I, I do know they are both close to playing against the Saints on Sunday night, but Packers are pretty cautious with these things, especially early in the season. I, I think they know they need Adams and Clark more in December and January than probably a week four game against the Falcons. We can talk about those choking Falcons later. The Bears got a gift. Oh my God, those Falcons. Oof. Yeah, I got plenty I got plenty to say about that team, but I'm in this 14-team fantasy league, Zach, and I got Higby as my tight end. I don't have a backup, and I'm about to pull the trigger on Tanyan. I liked his game, and you wrote a little bit about him. He looks good. I like how he finishes off catches. We also saw a little bit of Sternberger. The tight ends were really good in this ball game with Adams out, right? They combined for 10 targets, nine catches, a couple touchdowns. And like I said, I kind of like Tanyan, and I feel like Rodgers likes him too. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that kid. Should I pull the trigger and pick him up? Yeah, I think Robert Tanyan has some serious staying power in this offense. He's He's been on the field for, I think, 62% of the offense's snaps. So he's pretty clearly the starter at tight end. He obviously caught the touchdown passes the last two weeks. I think long-term, they're going to they're gonna want to get Jace you know, more involved as a receiver. He, he finally caught his, his first uh, regular season pass on Sunday night after those drops in week too so i just think the packers really trust tanyan to do everything the tight ends need to do at this point he's improved as a blocker and i think rogers actually really trusts him in the passing game so you know if he's healthy and the packers keep the tight ends involved i wouldn't be surprised if tanyan caught you know six seven eight touchdown passes this year yeah so i might have to pick this dude up and i gotta figure out who to drop and i've been holding on to aj Dillon, zach but i just don't (laughs) know if he's gonna end up being a huge part of the offense so maybe should i let him go yeah you're i think you're probably safe letting him go obviously obviously the packers really like aaron jones and jamal Williams, they've pretty much dominated the snap. So unless there's an injury or you know, maybe later in the year when they start to trust him a little bit more. I, I don't think AJ Jones going to be playing more than a, a couple snaps a game. Yeah, it was kind of cool to see Rodgers interacting with his guys, and he seemed happy for the tight ends. Like when Tanya would catch a pass, he'd do the little finger point. Right? It looked like he was really excited to get Sternberger involved and get him his first couple catches. They got a lot of likes, and and Jay Sternberger, he can he can run down the field. I, he had the two drops in week two, but he, you know he's going to be a big part of this offense. I think he can he can run, he can stretch the field, he can create some stuff after the catch. So, yeah, I do, I do think this is Rob Tanyan's position for right now. But, you know, Jay Sternberger is definitely in the future. All right. Life is good in Green Bay with Rodgers, LaFleur, and this offense. Uh, Zach and I will talk a little bit more about that here coming up. We'll be right back. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them. Start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays for Week 4. At quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick of the Miami Dolphins faces a Seattle Seahawks defense that has allowed nearly a full game's worth of yardage more than the next closest team. Six passing touchdowns have come against this defense, plus two more on the ground, and Fitzpatrick has shown he can still move with his legs. Injuries to two cornerbacks and star safety Jamal Adams has Seattle's defense behind the curve. Devin Singletary should see the majority of carries again this week if Zach Moss isn't capable of playing 
playing. No team has given up more PPR points than the Las Vegas Raiders against running backs, fueled by six rushing scores and a receiving touchdown. If John Brown is out of the passing game for Buffalo this week, it's safe to assume we could see more Singletary in the short passing game. Sticking with that same matchup, Hunter Renfro emerged as the top target last week for Derek Carr. It's unclear how much Darren Waller's lack of production was due to the Patriots keying on him or a combination of that with his knee injury. Las Vegas should be without wide receivers Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards in this contest, and Buffalo is pretty strong against running backs. There should be a lot more passing in this one than John Gruden may want. And finally, Green Bay Packers tight end Robert Tanyan against the Atlanta Falcons. He has scored in consecutive games, and Atlanta has allowed the second most receptions, third most yards, and the eighth easiest touchdown scoring efficiency against tight ends so far in 2020. If Devontae Adams doesn't play again, it means Tanyan is likely to see an increase in looks. With Green Bay having a week five bye, they have no incentive to rush Adams back to the lineup. For more fantasy football tips and advice, go check out thehuddle.com. Following up on that, just how big of an advantage is this for you to go into a place where, again, you'd be using the silent count most likely? And have you talked to the NFL about just keeping fans out all year? Uh, Jay, I mentioned that you know early in training camp. I felt like it was going to be an advantage for guys like myself who have cadence that can uh, be rhythmic enough to draw people off sides. At the bare minimum, it definitely keeps them at bay. Not able to really jump the snap count, which to us, that's all it needs to do. Um, so I'm, uh, it's, it's a new world we're living in uh, and playing in. Like I said after the game, uh, I miss the fans. Yeah, I really do. I miss the environment. It doesn't matter if it's a road game. I miss the, the cheers and the jeers and the noise on third down and the boos and the, you know, everything that goes with uh, road games. And obviously I miss our, you know, our crowd at Lambeau. There's just so much fun that uh, our stadium offers um, in-game and just the fans tailgating. There's nothing like pulling down Lombardi, taking that right into the parking lot and just seeing the throngs of people just excited about the about the games. Hopefully we can get some fans back at some point. I believe Aaron a little bit that he misses the fans, but at the same time, he's really enjoying these empty stadiums on the road, man. And he was toying with the Saints like we talked about. He was toying with them, and, and that was uh, that was quite the moment when he was about to call a timeout, but he got him to jump off sides, and we're just seeing more of that with him. It's uh, it's kind of interesting to see him be in complete control in like every facet in this new world that the NFL is in, right? Yeah, I mean, he says he misses fans, but he's he's also a very big problem in empty stadiums. You know, we he talked is. about that. We talked about that a little bit after Week One when he drew, drew the Vikings off like three or four times. You know, yeah, you talked about that last one on Sunday night. I thought that one was just incredible because he, you know, it was like. 10 seconds of him just toying with the Saints and he yeah. was just about ready to call timeout and then Demario Davis jumped and they just went with it and then they got the penalty with Lazard in the end zone and then they scored the pretty much the game ceiling touchdown so I do think the Packers have been very very fortunate to play in Minnesota and New Orleans without fans to start 2020 no doubt. I'm not sure I'm not sure any team has benefited more from the empty stadiums it, it really has neutralized two very loud venues and you know obviously Rodgers has been great with the hard counts yeah I feel like Rodgers is a little bit of a ball buster and he's almost like I'm gonna do a silent account in your stadium this is something i normally can't do and i'm just gonna do it just to mess with you you know <laughs> i just feel i just get oh, that yeah. feeling that he's doing it but I, had sure. a qu- I wanted to throw this question at you last week and we didn't get to it who do you think deserves more credit right now for the offense's like ridiculous start uh lafleur or rogers uh, you know i mean rogers 
Everyone's talking about Russell Wilson and Josh Allen in the MVP talk, but I think Rodgers should be right there. And you've got to give LaFleur all the credit in the world. We're talking, we talked about his coaching record, but he's also dialing this stuff up, right? And he's gotten Rodgers to buy in. So I give both of them a ton of credit, but what do you think? Who deserves more? I think both these guys deserve maybe, you know, equal credit because I think I think two very important variables are coming together to make it all work so well. I think, first of all, LaFleur is getting guys open constantly. I think you saw it Sunday night. Rodgers didn't have that many tough throws to make. There was just guys open all over the place. And, you know, second, I think Rodgers is very, very comfortable in this system now in year two, and he knows exactly where to go with the ball. So even with the, without Devontae on Sunday night, you know, they were creating explosive plays down the field. Rodgers was hitting the layups underneath. They were really good in the red zones, too. So I think when you mix a scheme that's working this well to get guys open consistently, and then you have a quarterback with as much talent as Aaron Rodgers has, it's, it's really not surprising the Packers are rolling on offense. No, it's not. And is Rodgers somehow, you know, the Packers are averaging like 40 points a game. And is Rodgers like like really flying under the radar right now when people start talking about the elite quarterbacks in the league? Yeah, obviously a bunch of quarterbacks are playing really, really well to start this season. And, you know, obviously it's super early, but I think Rodgers should be right in that bunch near the top of the MVP talk. I, I went through a bunch of his numbers and compared his start to this year. I, you know, obviously it's only three games, but I, I compared it to his two MVP seasons in 2011 and 2014, and the numbers are actually really comparable. So I think the Packers are going to be good and they're going to win a bunch of games this year. And the offense looks like it's going to be probably one of the NFL's most productive. So I guess if Rodgers stays healthy that he's going to be in the hunt for that third MVP all year. Yeah, and I saw your tweet which was awesome about more points have been scored during the first three weeks in 2020 than any other season in history. We know the Packers have scored a million points, 122 to be exact. Why do you think that is? Why are defenses having so hard a time keeping points off the board? Does that have to do with COVID or is that just continuing a trend that we've seen over the years with offensive football just being where the NFL is going? I think most of the rules are slanted towards the offense, obviously. And, you know, they, they've been calling fewer penalties. And I, I do think you're seeing the effects of, you know, no preseason games. It was abbreviated training camp. And there's no fans in the stadium. So it's just been much easier on offenses to operate this season. And, you know, defenses are obviously still trying to catch up. Uh, Rodgers was actually talking about this the other day, and I thought it was a great point. Just how defenses really feed off the crowd and the noise and the energy in the building, you know, especially in big moments. Obviously, the lack of, you know, noise in the stadium is making everything less stressful for offenses. Rodgers can do his card, hard counts just about everywhere. So, yeah. yeah, I'd say no preseason and no fans have been a tough combo for defense. I agree 100%. And speaking of the high-scoring games, the uh, over-under for this Packers Falcons game 57 and a half that's a big number that's a big number so uh yeah it is and I Honestly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it, this game turns out a little bit like the t- 2014 matchup. I don't know if you remember it. it was a, I think it was a Monday night game, too. And the Packers led a, led the whole game. They went up big. I think it was like 31-7 at the half. But then the Falcons, you know, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, they, they mounted a big rally late, scored like 27 points in the fourth quarter, and ended up being 43-37. So that, that's 80 points right there. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is another track meet on Monday night. Zach and I will talk more about Packers uh, against the Atlanta choking dog. I mean, the uh, Atlanta Falcons <laughs> here coming right up. We'll be right back. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, and I'm joined by my colleague Jeff Clark. Here's what you need to know to bet on week four's marquee matchup between the New England Patriots and Kansas City Chiefs. The Patriots are plus seven underdogs, Chiefs minus seven home favorites, over under 53 and a half in this game, minus 110 on either side of that. Patriots plus 240 underdogs, money line. 
Jeff, how are you feeling about this game? Oh, I'm totally on the Patriots plus seven. How often do you get Bill Belichick in a major game getting seven points? That Chiefs rush defense is really weak, so Cam Newton and company is going to be able to take the air out of the ball, keep Mahomes off the field. Um, and Bill Belichick, you know, has extra time to prep. He got short rest for Kansas City. I'm all on the I'm on the Patriots plus seven. Did you watch Monday Night Football? Did you see those Kansas City Chiefs? No, they're out to prove a point. They're still the best team in football. Take them minus seven at home to the New England Patriots. I don't care. They're the best team in football. Check out sportsbookwire.com for more with all odds from BetMGM Sportsbook. Subscribe to BetSlippin' Podcast. Be sure to rate and review. So, Zach, the Packers are favored by seven and a half points coming home to face this Falcons team that they're just in the business of giving away W's. And no matter what they do, they just can't figure out how to close a game. Dan Quinn's still the coach, right? They haven't fired him. And and that's amazing. i got to keep refreshing my Twitter to see if (laughs) Quinn's been fired because they still have him as the head coach. So even if the Packers somehow get behind in this ballgame, I don't see them losing. That's for sure. I mean, the Falcons just, man, they're in some kind of way right now. Yeah, doesn't it seem like almost cruel that they have to play a primetime game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They'd rather be like 1 o'clock playing the Jets or something. Yeah, they want to go hide somewhere, especially Dan Quinn probably. But they should be 2-1. and I think the Packers know that and they probably won't overlook them. But this does feel like one of those, you know, let down trap type of games where you're a good team coming off a big road win you're, you're coming home to play a, win, a winless team in an empty stadium so I don't know this certainly isn't going to be a layup I don't think for the Packers you know the Falcons are giving up a lot of points but they're scoring a lot of points too so Matt Ryan has, has weapons he's been pretty good to start this season so you know, I actually think this could be a really entertaining game to watch on Monday night. Yeah, we know Julio Jones missed the game against the Bears, but Calvin Ridley's been tearing it up, and the Falcons definitely have weapons. There's no doubt about that. And and although they are pathetic, and that would be the first that would be the first <laughs> adjective I'd use, they're also desperate, right, Zach? I mean, they're desperate, yes. and uh, they need this ball game. I would expect to see a better Falcons team. I don't know if they're going to find a way to win because I don't know if they know how, but I do expect to see a better Falcons team in this game. Yeah, there's something about you know having two losses like that and hearing all the national talk about your coach should get fired and you're going to get rolled at Lambeau Field and you know, these guys are still professionals too I, I imagine they're going to come and you know they might punch the Packers in the mouth a couple times early in this game so I, yeah I, I think they're going to be motivated to win this game for sure so last week with the Packers getting three and a half points in New Orleans I just th- I just loved that line I loved jumping on the Packers in that one this one more where it should be I think the Packers are seven and a half point favorites uh, what do you think about the line are you are you given those points or do you think the Falcons could keep the close yeah I, I do think the falcons can keep it close maybe you know like i said maybe they're gonna fall down early and you know mount to come back late when the packers are playing you know maybe some softer defenses but seven and a half hmm. maybe a backdoor I, cover I, you know for the falcons yeah, maybe, maybe, a maybe a backdoor cover yeah. uh, I, I will say the packers are, are giving up i think 28 points a game this season and their win differential average is still like 13 points so maybe that seven seven and a half line is looking pretty good for the Packers all right we'll see what happens there's there's just no way there's no way the Packers are losing to this team Zach so hopefully next no. week we're not talking about a, an L I don't think so I think we'll be talking about a 4-0 <laughs> Packers team next week yeah I agree we'll be back next week to break it all down Zach have a great week my man thanks Ryan this USA Today sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's sports media group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.
just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.